Hi, and welcome to New Thoughts, where we speak with the game changers in the music business and talk about the future. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me today is Anna Bond, Senior Director of Global Business Development at SongTrust. In her role at SongTrust, Anna works with record labels, music publishers, and music technology companies to register tastemaking talent with SongTrust, enabling songwriters and music rights holders to collect global publishing royalties they're owed. She's been in the music industry for more than 15 years, and prior to SongTrust, she was the U.S. label head for Rough Trade Records. She also spent time at Secretly Distribution, eMusic, and worked in label management for a Brighton UK-based rock experimental label, Fat Cat. Anna, welcome. It's great to see you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Oh, so first and foremost, how are you doing through all this? Um, we're, you know, weird. Um, <laughs> That's you know, a good I'm, word. <laughs> I'm lucky because... I'm able to work remotely very easily. Um, my husband is also able to work remotely. And most importantly, we have enough space in our apartment that we can work in different rooms, which I think is key to the preservation of our relationship. Yes, it's like, you stay there, yeah. I'll stay here. <laughs> Sometimes we switch, but we're always in, in separate places, which is- which is, is there a preferred room? Like one has better wind, like better views? You know, good question. It's pretty controversial right now. <laughs> um, I kind of think the front is a little bit better because it's got my turntable, but the Wi-Fi is stronger back here. So it's a, it's a trade-off. That's, that's key. The Wi-Fi in this day and age is key. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and basically like uh, one of the things like I've had Wi-Fi go down for yeah. like an hour at a time. And I just felt my life coming to a screeching halt. Yeah, absolutely. It is very scary when you just get that Google, the Gmail, like retry now question mark. And you're just like, no, what's happening? Is this it? <laughs> I have my Apple mail and I have lots of accounts and you'll just see the offline button, like the <laughs> icon just show up and you just go into panic mode. Art sinks. <laughs> So, so working from home has helped out, you know, has been okay. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, song trust, how has song trust adapted through these times? And, you know, has there been any, has it affected collections or payouts at all? So we're lucky, like I said, I can work remotely and, and the whole company really can work remotely, um, which is fantastic. And, and we were pretty early um, into making sure that, you know, everyone who needs a VPN was set up, like, um, we have very luckily been able to pivot to full remote work without any kind of issues with productivity or, or customer service drop off. So we're very lucky in that regard. Um, you know, one thing that we've seen is an increased demand for our educational materials. We do uh, a webinar every week that we call Music Publishing 101, and it's really focused on uh, music creators and rights holders who don't know much about publishing. And obviously we want them to learn about publishing and realize, oh, I need this and SongTrust is right here. Um, but we've actually had so much demand for those webinars that we're doubling them. We're doing twi them twice a week and we're still seeing the numbers increase. So, you know, that's a good sign that, that there's demand out there for, for learning about those aspects of the music industry that I think people aren't always, that don't always come top of mind when people are kind of busy with other things. Um, you know, in terms of collections and payouts, we really haven't seen issues yet. I mean, I know that there have been kind of alarming projections swirling around um, out there, but the truth is they're, they're also varied 
I don't get a sense um, that anyone really has has a has a good idea of what exactly will happen. I mean, there will definitely be an impact on uh, especially performance royalties. You know, not only live performances, which is huge uh, across the board, but you know the public performances and retail stores and restaurants. Um, and there's also the fact that, you know, with without TV and film in production right now, there are those sync opportunities, which people are also not are not getting. So there are a tremendous number of, um, of publishing uh, sources of income that are absolutely going to significantly decrease, uh, you know, during the COVID lockdown. There, and there's no way that unfortunately right it's like you look at like the short-term and long-term effects that's yeah. going to have and you know ifpi released their global yeah. uh, report a few weeks ago and things were looking good and as i'm saying with everything for 2020 in the history books 2020 is going to have an asterisk after it yeah so you know so so then it's like trying to look at it's like you know, the challenges you see for artists and businesses sure. in the current climate, like outside the live sector, because we have no idea when that's going to come back. Yeah, I mean, I think there are there are a number of challenges uh, for songwriters and rights holders. Um, you know, I mean, maybe the biggest one other than, you know, the loss of live revenue is just the huge amount of stress that everyone is under. Um, especially people who rely on on sources of income that aren't currently available. But really, I mean, we're all we're all in a global pandemic. We're quarantined in our houses. We don't know what the future holds. Like you just said, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know when concerts will start again. We don't know when we'll be able to like hug our parents again. Right. And I think that that's particularly taxing for creatives because you know think about how much mental energy it takes to do anything creative. You're already using so much of like your life force that um, you know I think that that probably a big impact you know, just from the musicians and artists that I know is like finding inspiration during such tough times and, you know, making sure that people are balancing, you know, the need to develop their careers with like the need to preserve their physical and mental health. And I think, you know, that that's a challenge for everyone, but I think particularly with creatives where, you know, a lot of musicians and songwriters tend to be on the emotional side and the sensitive side, and that's why we love what they do. But it also makes them particularly uh, likely to, to to be affected by by what we're going through. It, it what creates good, great music. Uh, yeah. And two things there. It's like you know, a lot of musicians. You know, I come from music background and production, and I remember locking myself in the basement for days on end. So we're we're a little used to self quarantining yes. in that yes. sense. But, you know, you talk about the um, the mental health and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, the other day we on our Tuesday talkie show, we were I was discussing about the live streaming and how some accounts are getting right. takedown notices, cease and desist right. and uh, the DJs. And what I was looking at is like at this particular moment, this is what's keeping people mentally sane. Yeah. And at what point do you can you lighten up for a moment and just say, listen, can we just put everything, right. everything else is on hold. Can't we just not worry about this right now and let it ride? But with that being said, there's also on the flip side of it is there's companies that are really doing a lot to support the artists. And I like yeah. Bandcamp. And, you know, what have you found that where these companies really been able to help support the artists? Well, you know, I think, um, you know, something that's really interesting, obviously, uh, we're learning 
as this is going on, I mean, all we can do right now is learn. We're in a learning phase. I think a lot of people have done some really interesting ideas, right? So we just found out that um, people are experimenting with kind of geo-blocked live streaming concerts. And something really wonderful um, that I discovered, uh, I think on Instagram, is that there are artists, like I think Steve Earle did one of these, where and uh, Jason Isbell, where they're doing like in stores, where if you order the record from your local record store, you get an access to this live stream of a concert. So it's like, you know, the analog to doing a physical in store where they go to the store, you buy the record, you get your wristband or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great because not only is it you're encouraging people to buy the record and support the artist, but you're also supporting independent retail, which, you know, is one of the sectors that I think is going to be uh, most affected um, by by COVID in terms of the music industry, um, you know, obviously venues, but also, you know, people are delaying album releases. Mm -hmm. um, people obviously can't physically go to stores, um, you know, that you can order online, but that, that record store browsing and kind of osmosis of like what they're playing in the store and what the record clerk recommends and, you know, talking to other people, like that's such a key part of how a lot of people still uh, get introduced to new music. And so that's something that, you know, if, if we do end up losing some of our record stores, uh, will will be, you know, locally uh, a really big challenge for those music scenes. But it's really great to see the support for local indie retail. It's really great to see the way that people really are trying to use technology to support fans and to enable fans to support artists. Like you mentioned, Bandcamp's the fee waiver day. Um, I think this is a time that artists, um, you know, songwriters, performing musicians can really try stuff. I mean, I think that we're, you know, you don't have to go on the road in two weeks. So why don't you, in addition to obviously getting your publishing sorted, number one, um, but, you know, your fans want to support you. Even if you have 200, like, super key fans or you have a thousand followers on socials, start a Patreon, see what happens. Like, if you have the time to do it, you know, Spotify's got their tip jar. You can send people to Bandcamp. You can say, you know, I'll email you a joke if you Venmo me $5. Like, just try whatever. Because ultimately what we're learning is that fans want to support the art that they believe in. And, um, you know, we're only learning about new ways to do it because we're kind of being forced to. My hope is that this is going to open up, you know, this idea of fan supportive artists, um, you know, even after the pandemic is over. That's my, you know, optimistic take on the situation. And, and I, I think it's like what you talking about, like, innovative new technologies think things like that come out of this and new creative ideas mm -hmm. and you know everybody's over it now looking at TikTok and now now twitch it's like sure. streaming to twitch and all these musicians just like twitch was a gaming platform well now yeah. it's a music streaming yeah. platform and you know you talk about like the the record stores you know we then like you know there's going to be such a challenge and like how can you support retail and how can you support the artists through those times and what Bandcamp was doing was fantastic and you know you going back it's like there is no manual for this there's no, no. pandemic for dummies exactly and we're but, all dummies right exactly <laughs> so it's kind of like just go and do something and test test yeah. out the waters yeah it's a perfect time to learn patreon if there's yeah. something that you're yeah. like I'm, maybe I take a day off from writing and let me go see how I can 
utilize this for my career or you know learn some new tools and test them out and experiment because if you're you know a fledgling artist mm -hmm. you're, you don't have millions and millions of fans so if you do something it's not like all of a sudden a million fans will turn on you it's like right you're not going to start a controversy you right. might just kind of be able to push the boundaries a little bit mm -hmm. um and even those artists that do have a lot of fans i think that you know, something we're seeing there is kind of innovation on their end in order to support, you know, their touring band, their crew, um, you know, all of the people around a touring artist who don't benefit when there aren't live shows, right? The artist is still seeing album sales. Hopefully they're still maybe, um, you know, participating in their publishing revenue, but you see artists like, you know, run the jewels, have this whole special merch line, which is all going towards their crew um, be, to, to kind of compensate for the canceled tour dates. Uh, Sharon Van Etten is doing a special live stream concert of one of her older records, same thing, to benefit her band and crew. And so you're seeing people kind of taking advantage of these different types of technology to support not only the artists, but, you know, once the artist feels like they're pretty established to support the people that support mm -hmm. them, and I think that that creates a little bit more visibility um, towards those people. And, and honestly, I think that, that people are seeing visibility about, you know, how tenuous, uh, you know, things like live music venues are. I mean, those guys are operating at razor thin margins yeah. in, in cities like New York where the rent is insane. And, you know, my, my other optimistic hope is that in terms of live that people just start appreciating it again. And, and people start going out to more shows and just being like, oh, this is a special thing that they can take away from us. So I'm not going to stay in and, you know, watch uh, Ozarks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm playing catch up. Speaking of Ozark, I, I'm now on season two and I've binged like five episodes in the last 24 hours. Wow. So I'm now on like, I'm on like episode eight. So I'm almost up to season three. You're getting there. As a little sidebar. Uh, yeah. But, you know, going back to the live venues and, it, yeah. and Talking about like, you know, looking at how to support live venues and maybe this will change that mindset mm -hmm. a little bit of supporting the artists and support, which also in supporting the venues. I saw a meme and it was kind of a, you know, a joke that was saying like, hey, make artists feel comfortable, you know, make them feel comfortable right now. Send them a text and say, hey, can I get a comp? Can I get yeah, on the exactly. list? <laughs> and, and you know something, hopefully that'll change. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that'll be like, hey, you know, here's my five dollars, my ten dollars. I will go pay that to go support you in the show, yeah. you know, moving forward. Because that helps the artist and it helps the venue. And you know, changing that mindset a little bit instead of, hey, if you don't comp me, I'm not gonna show up. And right. a lot of times when you give out comps, they don't show up anyway. I mean, but when I was on the label side, the guest list reality was <laughs> always so so disheartening and difficult <laughs> <laughs> my so, very favorite thing was to tell people no i'm like no you can't have a plus four this is a 40 dollars ticket <laughs> it's a plus four yes <laughs> so i mean we could we could talk forever uh you know about the the current climate and artists and you know it, it's we, we can go on but you know also you know i want to talk about song trust i mean yeah. correct me if i have any of this wrong but you know launched in 2001 with uh from justin cliffowitz and uh Joe Panius, and it's grown to the become the world's largest global royalty collection service and publishing administrator mm -hmm. and uh basically it says song trust enables creators at all levels to recover their royalties directly from more than 90 countries 
20,000 unique income sources worldwide, and also provides royalty collection services for distributors such as CD Baby and The Orchard. What else am I missing there? So, you know, SongTrust does a lot. I mean, that's a big picture, right? We have, that's kind of a picture of our volume. We have 300,000 writers. We have 2 million compositions that we, that we manage. But what we do is really offer an opportunity for any songwriter or rights holder to go without any barrier to entry to access world-class publishing administration, right? We have over 50 direct relationships with pay sources. Uh, we cover you know, over 120 countries and regions. About 90% of the global music market is covered for us with direct collections. And that's a network that that's really incomparable that we've been able to build, you know, like you said, since 2011, we've been working on this. And um, it's it's something that we're able to offer to anyone who just wants to come in, sign up. We have a small registration fee. We have a standard deal. And whether you're, uh, you know, just starting out or whether you have, you know, a huge cut on a massive hit song, um, we work with so many people who are producers um, who have, you know, 10% of like five giant pop songs. And nobody ever bothered explaining to them, like, you, you can't just be with your PRO. You've got to sign up with, you know, someone who's going to be handling mechanicals for you or else you're missing streaming money. You can only collect it for two or three years and then it gets reallocated. And, um, you know, that's why education is such a big piece of our mission is because, you know, the best way that SongTrust can get new clients is by teaching someone who's out there, you are owed this money. They realize it, they sign up, they get the money. I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a very simple process. What my team does is uh, the business development team works more closely with management companies, business managers. We have label publishers and, and boutique publishing companies who use us as their administrative back office. Because ultimately, global publishing administration is incredibly complex and time consuming. And in order to be able to you know, have an in-house admin staff doing what our 90 person staff does, you would need dozens of employees just doing admin day in and day out. And, you know, so many of the different global sources do things differently. It really takes a lot of flexibility and a lot of understanding about each different pay source, each different uh, collections partner. And that's something we offer to everyone. You know, you don't have to sign a deal. We don't do A&R. Um, it's something where we just want to make this accessible because we know how much money is out there and isn't getting collected and ends up in, you know, what they call the black box and reallocated. And it's over a billion dollars. And that money is, is owed to, you know, songwriters and rights holders who just haven't, haven't been educated to collect what they're owed or didn't think there was a way for them to collect it if they couldn't, you know, get a big publisher interested in their catalog. Right, exactly. And royalty collection, and especially globally, is so convoluted and yeah. crazy and yeah. with different territorial rights, different, you know, international rules and regulations. You know, and also for people like there's alphabet soup when it comes oh, to yeah. all these organizations. So over in, in, in uh, UK, it would be the Performing Rights PRS, okay? And then we call them PROs, Performing Rights Organizations. You fall into the category of a collective management organization, it's right. like a CMO. 
could you like what is the key specific differences what are the um, most important acronyms yes <laughs> um, so a pro is a performing rights organization like you said they collect performance royalties and so that's your ascap your bmi your csac um, in the us that's prs in the uk um, and and in the us it's all we have we don't have any cmos in the us but uh, a performing rights organization that's you sign up with them uh, you know, even if you sign a publishing deal, you're still getting your writer share directly from them. Um, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Importantly, a PRO is not collecting everything. They're collecting your performance royalties. They're not collecting any of your mechanical royalties. A CMO is a collective management organization. That's someone like Game on Germany. They are collecting both performance and mechanicals. And that's usually when it's a smaller market and they can handle, you know, one one organization can handle doing both things. And uh, it really varies country to country which type of organization they have. Um, in the US, we only have PROs. So if you're a US artist, you're signed up with ASCAP, you're like, I'm all set. You're not because streaming mechanical royalties are not getting to you unless you sign up directly with Harry Fox and Music Reports or you sign up with an administrator like SongTrust I recommend SongTrust because I've been to the Harry Fox website. They're a great <laughs> partner. They're just, you know, we're very user experience focused company and they are, you know, more focused on their core business, which is the collections and, right. and getting in the distributions. So um, in terms of UX, we're, we're a lot more streamlined. So the, do you have any other like new updates rolling out or other services? And, and you know, I'm tying this into because uh, with downtown music holdings, mm -hmm. because Justin was on a buying spree again the mm -hmm. last two weeks. Uh, he acquired uh, the South African-based Sheer Music and the UK-based uh, music publisher Good Soldier Song. So, you know, does that have an effect? Like, is that roll into Song Trust? Like, how does that all work together? Well, we we are the administrator for downtown music publishing. Um, you know. We're all in the same office. We have two floors. Most of downtown's on the top floor. Most of Song Trust is on the 14th, 15th, and 14th. But we all have access to the rooftop deck. Don't worry. Um, someday when we go I'd back. Like, I'd like to come visit again when uh, we can When go we out. have our reopening party, for sure. <laughs> um, but so, you know, as their administrator, obviously we'll be administering um, through Song Trust uh, all, of, all of the new compositions that come through. But specifically with Sheer, um, you know, Song Trust has had um, as its mission recently to really open up more markets um, that we haven't had as much uh, leverage in in the past. And we've had tremendous success in Africa, specifically Ghana and Nigeria, obviously two incredible music markets that, that, that have for a very long time brought us a lot of incredible mm -hmm. music. Um, but because of you know, lack of access to, you know, music industry uh, tends to be very Eurocentric. And because of lack of access to SongTrust and other uh, partners coming in and making their services available and educating consumers in the same way we do in the U.S., um, there are a lot of songwriters out there who have not, you know, gotten their publishing royalties. And we have had so much success, um, both on a kind of individual level, working with law firms, working with individual artists, 
working with publishers um, who are really excited to have this admin back office mm -hmm. that they can use and know I can now offer global administration to these writers who really need you know this availability. Um, you know, there's so much uh, consumption of the music of Africa in in Europe and in the U.S., but you know we're not necessarily all making the uh, effort to ensure that that consumption is paid well and thoroughly to the people who are making the music. And I think that's one of the most exciting things that we're able to do at SongTrust is really reach people who otherwise, you know, wouldn't have been able to collect. And in some cases, it can be a game-changing amount of money. I mean, we have one client who, who is a guitarist. Um, he lives in Haiti. I think he's 70. He had a sample on a Migo song and we're administering it for him. And I mean, we are talking, he is making game-changing amounts of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, suddenly, because he owns this percentage, he was really able to administer th through us. We're able to pay him really easily. Um, and you know, this is, this is an amount of money that's gonna affect like his life and his kids and maybe grandparents like, or grandchildren. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we're providing a service that, that some people just really need. Um, and many of them don't know it, but once they get started and they start seeing the revenue come in, it's just like, oh, this is, you know, this enables me to buy a home or quit my day job or and even. All, and all they had to do is just sign up and then you take care of all the administration, exactly. the efficient workflows, processing and everything's taken care of. Yeah. And like you get blown away and it's almost like that reversal, kind of like the, the searching for sugar man. Like if this was yeah, in place exactly. years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, we want the uh, we want the Rodriguez's of the world to find Song Trust, and we want to find them and make sure that they that they get paid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think like you know that's something that's exciting about what we're doing, and also enabling boutique publishers to really offer world class admin without having to do kind of a global network of sub publishers. Um, labels who want to start publishing companies and kind of keep the creative services in-house like it's it's relatively turnkey to do so and we've empowered some people to be able to do that um it's just really about creating options um for rights holders and and for songwriters and and just you know helping people get their money and you know on a certain level like you said you don't have a and r it's like can if i'm a songwriter can i sign up for song trust Yes, you any where there's no barrier to entry. Like with a traditional publisher or administrator, generally, you know, they're doing A and R. You're they're they have an application process. We simply you sign up, you pay us a registration fee that's one time, not yearly. Um, you know, our standard deal is fifteen percent admin fee, twelve month term, and um, that's it. Right on. And then you onboard your catalog, and and we're off to the races. And there you are. So that that's fantastic. And that, and you know the the company's been growing exponentially, yes. and especially over the last few years, it's yeah. really taken off. And it's amazing, you know. And I know, like Molly Newman was brought in, and you know, it's like fantastic. Like you know what the growth of the company has seen, and with everything with downtown, I and you yeah. recently moved to new offices, and they're already filled. Yes, they are. It was alarming how quickly it happened. I was just like, wait, those dead? Oh. <laughs> so so then you know besides this being over and right. you know what are you especially 
looking forward to? Like, what's the first thing or where's the first place you're going to go once this abates? It's so hard to say because, I mean, I want to see live music again. I will say that the last show I saw before lockdown was Destroyer at Brooklyn Steel, and it was amazing. So I feel really lucky that I have like a great show to kind of be my send off. Um, I really, there's like a noodle place I really want to eat at that's been <laughs> closed and doesn't do delivery. Um, but honestly, I think just like going to the beach, I don't know. I, like, I want with my I want, friends I want, sharing food. <laughs> yeah, a good sushi restaurant. That's what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And hopefully soon enough, we will be all out and about again, or maybe yeah. at the drive-in concerts or something. I do like that idea, though. I don't have a car. Can I do a final uh, educational resource plug? Do it. Don't so yours. Song Trust, and this is great for everyone. I've had, I actually have a friend who has been a manager and has been in the music industry longer than I have, who said, I wish I had read this 15 years ago. Um, we have a resource called the Modern Guide to Music Publishing. It is downloadable for free on our website. And it is simply an overview, you know, soup to nuts of the global music industry picture, music publishing picture. And it starts from, you know, the two halves of the song and it goes into all of the different ways things are split up, the different types of rights, how YouTube is collected, um, you know, all of the different pieces and how they line up. There's a lot of diagrams, which when I was kind of learning publishing, I found very helpful. So, you know, if anyone out there needs a refresher or has friends who need a refresher or just wants a handy reference, um, I highly recommend downloading the, the Modern Guide to Music Publishing. It is pretty fantastic. And I can I can confirm I I've read it and yes. and if you're in the business or you're an artist and you're it's a good refresher or if it's something that you're learning about it gets right to the point it it just like here you go this is what it does this is where it goes that's like you know and it's really simple to understand and lays it all out so I'm going to put those into the show notes oh excellent yeah if you yeah. link to it that's perfect great. All right. So thank you once again, Anna. This has been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. And, you know, have a wonderful day and stay healthy, please. Thank you so much. All right. That's it for today. Thank you for all tuning in. If you want to join the conversation, please leave your comments below and make sure to sign up at musicindustrycity.com to stay on to stay updated on what's going on in the music business. I'll see you next time.